Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir and Chaim Aran. We dedicate the learning Leila Nishmas Tuvio Brabisrol Yitzchak, Yurachmiel Daniel Ben Gedalia, and Rosa Basi Tamar for a complete Rafuah Shalema for all those that need it, including Shimon Eliezer Ben Rochel, Chaviva Chana Basgalia, Lebalea Basi Poira, Sora Basodl, Chana Bas Hadassah Shendl, Mendel Bas Miriam. We've been speaking quite a bit about the Machlekes against Rabbeinazal from the Ishbala I just want to add two more notes, and I believe then we're going to be leaving this topic. Rab Nelsonzal writes that when this Machlekes, when this conflict first started, Rabbeinazal said, I knew that the Samachmem, that the Sotan would rise up against me in a very powerful way, but it was very surprising to me that they gave this over to him, that they gave this mission to the Shpala And Rabbi Nezal mentions sort of jokingly, the Gemara says that a person is better off throwing himself into a lion's den rather than to be given over to the hands of his human enemies. We've mentioned this in the past, the Or HaChaim HaKodesh points out by Yosef HaTzadik and his brothers that an animal doesn't have Bechira, an animal doesn't have free choice, an animal cannot hurt someone unless it receives a direct, direct command from Hashem to do so, whereas a human being does have Bechira and can, harm, can do harm even where it's not what Hashem really wants. So the Gemara makes this statement, Mutov sheyapil better that a person throw himself into a lion's den, rather than to be given over to the hand of his enemies. So Rav Nosanzal said, but what does a person do? What, what could a person do when his enemy is a lion? Because the Shpalazeda's name was Reb Aryeh Leibish. Aryeh Leibish. However, Rabbein Zal added, there's a Pesach in Tehillim, Rabois Machshovois Belevish Va'atzas Hashem Hisokum, that sometimes a person makes all kinds of plans in their heart, but what Hashem wants is really what's going to happen. So the wording there is Lev Ish, it's two words, the heart of a person. Rabbein Zal put the two words together, Rabois Machshovois Belevish, that this Rabbi Leibish could be making all kinds of plans, chas v'shalom, against me. But in the end, it's what Hashem wants that, it's gonna, that is going to happen. And Rabbi Nezal said, in the future, in the future when Mashiach comes, in the next world, there's going to be a lot of humor regarding him. And then, afterwards, Rabbi Nezal said several chapters in Likut Yomran, several shiurim, that pertain to this topic of Machloikis. And Rav Nassim Zal adds, we bless Hashem who saved us from this and that we were zeichet to be in the camp of Rav Nassim One more note, Rav Nassim Zal said that he heard told over in the name of Rav Nassim that when Rav Nassim was in the city of Barditchev that summer that we mentioned in a previous year, <coughs> where he was there, for a, a wedding, a, a major wedding that was taking place. There were many Rabbonim gathered at the time. Rabbein Azal said that, that at that point in time, 
he received a clear understanding of everything about the Ishbala Zeda, everything about him and everything about all of his doings. And up until that time, Rabbi Nezal didn't say a word about him because he said he didn't want to speak about him at all until he felt he really understood completely what he was all about. And then afterwards, Rabbi Nezal spoke about him a little bit, but at, at very rare intervals. This wasn't a major topic of discussion. Now Rabbi Nezal switches to a different topic, and he mentions that in the year Tov Kuf Samach Zayin, which is four years before Rabbi Nezal passed away, he made an unusual, very long trip where he traveled far away from, from his home base to Novrich, Ostra, Zaslov, and Dubna, and several other cities. And he was also in the famous city of Brod, which was known as a city of very great rabbis. And Rabbi Nezal spent approximately a half a year on this trip. And Rabbi Nezal writes, no one really knows what Rabbi Nezal was doing on this trip because he did not accept or receive any money from anybody. And in addition, in most of the places he traveled to, he made sure that people did not know who he was, especially in the city of Broad. He went in there with tremendous secrecy. And it was on this journey that Rabbenazal's wife, his first wife, passed away in the city of Zaslav on Erev Shavuos. She had gone there specifically because she wanted to see a particular doctor. She was very sick at the time. <clears throat> and Rav Nassar writes, we, the students, came to, for the holiday of Shavuos to be with Rav And after his first wife passed away on Erev Shavuos, during the fall, that summer, a shidduch was presented to Rav and that was when he contracted the sickness of tuberculosis. And as soon as this sickness started, Rabbi Nezal said that he knows that he's going to pass away from this illness. And Rabbi Nezal goes on to say that during the month of El is when Rabbi Nezal married his second wife. Now, that Rosh Hashanah, Tov Kuf Samaches, the following Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Nezal traveled to the city of Lemberg, where it was known that there were very, very, very knowledgeable doctors there. And Rabbi Nezal stayed there from Rosh Hashanah until the middle of the next summer. And he returned home, Parshas Bolok. Interesting, this is going to be next week in Eretz Yisrael, we're going to be reading Parshas Bolok. This coming Shabbos is Parshas Chukas, the following Shabbos is Bolok. When he traveled to, to the city of Lemberg, he traveled via the city of Volochisk, which is where one of his sons-in-law had come from. And it was there that Rabbi Nezal wanted to cross the border. It seems that there were different governments that were in charge of, a different government was in charge of Lemberg at the time, then the part of Ukraine where Abenazal came from. And they wouldn't allow him to cross the border. And Abenazal remained there near the border for more than two weeks. 
One night, Rabbein Azal had a dream that there were many soldiers there from the Kaiser of Ukraine, the part of the Ukraine where Rabbein Azal was from, and also there were many soldiers from the other side, from the Austrian Empire. <clears throat> and the, the leaders themselves, the two leaders, were there also. And Rabbein Azal asked one of the important officers there for permission to allow him to cross the border. And Rabbein, the person said to Rabbein Azal, I definitely will not allow you to enter into our country. And it appeared because he was afraid that Rabbein Azal was going to cause a major turmoil in the country. So Rabbein Azal went and made the request from the Kaiser of the country himself. I believe it's, this is the Aust Austria at that time. This is all part of the dream. And, and the, the Kaiser himself said, I'm not afraid. I'll let him come. And Rabbein Azal woke up in the morning and he told this to the person that was with him. He told him about the dream. And Rabbein Azal said, I know that today I'm going to cross the border because of this dream that I had. And sure enough, that's what took place. That day they crossed the border. And Rav Zal writes, regarding this dream, there were other important factors, but unfortunately it was forgotten because it wasn't written down at the time. Now in paragraph Kuf Chafalef, 121, in the older versions, it's paragraph 18, Rav Zal writes that during, in the year Tov Kuf Samachay, which is six years before Rabbein Azal passed away, between Pesach and Shavuos, Rabbein Azal traveled to the city of Sharigrad, and he spent two weeks there. And this trip was also something unusual. And Rabbein Azal said to the people that were with him that the, 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 the religious world is yearning when are we going to have another Baal Shem Tov, another tzaddik like the Baal Shem Tov? Because, <clears throat> and he said, if the Baal Shem Tov were to come again, in a sense, they would also be searching. They would still be searching even more. And then suddenly, Rabbein Azal picked up and left the city of Sharigrad. And he told the people that were with him that he's running out of the city like a person running from fire. And sure enough, shortly afterwards, there were a series of major fires in that city of Sharigrad. And Rabbein Azal commented, if the people of that city would know the incredible favor I did for them uh, during the time I was there, and, and there's, it doesn't, it, the sentence is not completed. And, and Rabbein Azal said, but still, this is better than a plague, chas v'shon, a terrible plague. In those days, there were unfortunately terrible plagues in Europe and those places that caused the deaths of many people. And Rabbein Azal says that we understood from his words that he had saved the people of the city of Sharigrad from a plague as a result of him, the time that he spent there. Rav Nosson Zal adds, Eile, Masse, B'nai Yisrael, these are the travels of the Jews. Fortunate is the person who is Zoycha 
to know the one secret of the unusual travels of Rabbeinazal, which sometimes we didn't see any obvious reasons. And Rabbeinazal made a statement about his trip to Novorich, that trip that we mentioned earlier where he was away for six months, that if people would know what my trip is all about, they would kiss every one of my footsteps. Because with every step that I took on this trip, I turned the world over to the side of Zchus, Lekav Zchus. Rav writes that on Shabbos Chanukah of the year Tov Kuf Samach Tes, this is paragraph 124 in, in the newer versions and 21 in the older version of the section which speaks about Rabbeinazal's birth <clears throat> and places that he settled in during his earlier years. On Shabbos Hanukkah, which was shortly after he had returned from Lemberg, because that summer he had returned from Lemberg, and on, on Hanukkah is when he revealed the chapter, a long chapter on Likut Imran, chapter 2 in the second half of Likut Imran, which begins with the words, Yemei Hanukkah, Hem Yemei Hoidah, that the days of Hanukkah are days of tremendous expression of our appreciation to Hashem. And Rabbi Nezal told the students that were present at the time to sing the chapter in Tehillim, chapter 124, Shira Amalei Sledovid, Lulei Hashem Shehoyolanu, where David HaMelech says, were it not for Hashem by my side, I never would have survived all of the opposition and all the battles that I had against me. So Rabbi Nezal told his students to sing this, and they sang it Friday night many times, again and again. And Rabbi Nezal writes, also, one time when Rabbi Nezal was still living in Medvedevka, also they sang this song, Lulei Hashem Shehoyolanu. And afterwards, Rabbi Nezal turned to the people, and he said, you should know that you're not yet really considered my loyal students because there's going to come a time when the whole world is going to rise up and oppose me. And then those that will be firm and loyal and remain with me, they'll be considered my true loyal students. Rav Nosenzal adds here in parentheses, we have no one to rely on other than our Father in Heaven because there were many that rose up with opposition against Rabbeinazal, against Rabbeinazal, and against us. And were it not for Hashem being with us, we never could have survived all of this. Paragraph 126. We're not going in order, because I took certain pieces about the Shvavah and put them all together as one train of thought. Rav says now, it was our custom to be with Rabbeinazal three times a year, especially on Rosh Hashanah, Shabbos Hanukkah, and Shavuos. Remember, they were in Chutzloretz, so that Shavuos was a two-day holiday there. And during these three times, we were always by Rabbeinazal from the time that he established residence in Breslov, which means during the last eight years of his life. And Rabbi Nassau instructed all of his students 
to make sure to be with him for these three times. And he would, during these three times, he would say incredible, incredible divrei Torah that, that went on for several hours. On Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Nezal would speak towards the end of the first day of Rosh Hashanah after they returned from Tashlich, and he would start speaking then when it was sort of twilight, not yet night, and the Torah would go well into the second night of Rosh Hashanah. On Shabbos Hanukkah, he would say Torah at Shalashudas, which was the custom among all the tzaddikim, among the Hasidim, because of the fact that Shabbos Mincha is the holiest time of the week, generally that's when they would say the most important Torah of the week. And then on Shavuos, Rabbein followed a similar pattern to Rosh Hashanah, that he would start the Torah towards the end of the first day of Shavuos and continue well into the night of the second day. But Rabbein Azal says, but it was regarding Rosh Hashanah that Rabbein put tremendous emphasis <coughs> that we should make sure to be by him. And he said he wants all of his students, all of his followers, to be with, to, to come to him for Rosh Hashanah as one. No one should be missing. And Rabbein Azal writes, the, the seriousness of how Rabbein Azal spoke about this is indescribable. And he repeated it many times that his whole focus, Rabbein Azal's whole entire focus, is Rosh Hashanah. And even on the final Rosh Hashanah of his life, when he was already in Uman, and he passed away about 10 days after that, Diberi Manu Gamkein, Rabbein Azal also spoke a lot about the incredible importance of being by him for Rosh Hashanah. And this is where Rab Nasanzal and all the other students understood that Rabbein Azal was making it perfectly clear that this did not just apply when Rabbein Azal was physically living, but rather it continued to apply even after Rabbein Azal passed away, because Rabbein Azal knew that he was not going to live for another Rosh Hashanah, and yet he was putting tremendous, tremendous emphasis on this. And Rabbein Azal said, what, what can I tell you? There's nothing greater than this. There's nothing greater than being by me for Rosh Hashanah. In Likutei Alochis, there's probably several hundred pages expounding on the uniqueness of Rosh Hashanah, what makes Rosh Hashanah so unique and so special, and the tremendous importance of going to Tzadikim for Rosh Hashanah. Rav Nosanzal speaks an incredible amount about this. We know that in the Shulchan Aruch, it says that on Erev Rosh Hashanah, there's a custom to go to graves of tzaddikim, to be mispalel there, to go to the cemetery to be mispalel, so that those that have already passed away will join in our tefillahs on Rosh Hashanah throughout Aseros Yimei Tshuva and Yom Kippur. And we daven Tashem based on the merit of those tzaddikim that are buried there, that Hashem should receive our tefillah, our tshuva, in the best way possible. Rabbi Nezal said, and if you see that by other tzaddikim, 
they don't make so big an issue of this, they don't put so much emphasis on this, so you have another question. You have another question about me. Meaning that he did not want to explain, he didn't want to give a reason as to why he's saying this is so important. Because besides this, there were many questions about him. So let this be another question. The fact that he's so strict about being by him for Rosh Hashanah, much more so than other tzaddikim. Because even though by other tzaddikim, it was also the custom at the time that their students would leave home to be with their rabbi for Rosh Hashanah, but none of them spoke about it with such incredible importance. None of them put such importance on it. And Rabbi Nezal once said that it would pay to announce that anyone who is zeichet to be by him for Rosh Hashanah should be happy a whole year. And he quoted the Pasuk that we find in the Navi Nehemiah, where it says, Eat sweet things, drink sweet things. Don't be sad. Because rejoicing with Hashem, that's your greatest strength. Rav Nassim there were another three times during the year when Rabbein Azal gave an official shir, when he spoke Torah. <clears throat> one, one, on, once when he would travel to the cities of Chirin and Travitsa, once during the winter time, and he would be there for Shabbos, and at Shalashudas he would speak Torah, and he would say Torah twice during that period, during the Shabbos. And Rabbein Azal says, meaning on Shabbos Shira, which takes place during the winter in Ukraine, Shabbos Parshas B'Shalach, and one additional Shabbos. That's during the winter time. But in addition, during the summer, he would also travel there, but then he would, also, he would only say Torah once in Chirin on Shabbos Nachamu, the Shabbos after Tishabov. And we find in the Likut Imran, those shirim that were given specifically at those times, Reb Nachman Shirin usually points out in his Sefer Parparais L'Chachma, we'll see also coming from Chaim Aran, that Reb Zal tells us which shir was given on Shabbos Hanukkah, which one on Shabbos Nachmu, and very often the in the shir, Reb Nezal would include what the holiday that was taking place at the time. So that there were six times a year officially that Rabbein Azal gave a shir, three times in the city of his home in Breslov, and three times on the road when he was traveling. Besides that, there weren't any fixed times when Rabbein Azal gave an official shir. And Rabbein Azal writes, because generally, during other times, during Shalashudas, he did not sit with us. He sat in, in a room, in his own private room, adjacent to where we were. It was only on these Shabbosim, Shabbos Hanukkah, Shabbos Nachamu, Shabbos Shira, and these, that he would say Torah publicly. However, however, despite that, we heard a lot of Torah from Rabbein Azal throughout the year. It's just that it wasn't a, a designated time, an official time, but rather whenever the, the opportunity came up, 
we would hear incredible revelations of Torah. Sometimes it would be on Friday night, sometimes Shabbos morning, sometimes Moitzoi Shabbos right after Avdova, and sometimes during the weekdays. And, and Rav Nassar writes that very often it would happen that while Rabbi Nassar was speaking with us about current events or about something that came up, it would lead into a discussion of beautiful revelations of Torah. And the Torah was related to the things we had been talking about earlier. Rav Nassar points out this happened very often until we started realizing that every discussion with Rabbi Nezal was all Torah. And whenever we would pay attention carefully to what, what he was saying, we were able to hear that he was revealing incredible insights of Torah until we finally realized this and started writing down all of these sikhos. And this is the Sefer Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, Sikhay Saran, where Rabbi Nezal started capturing all of these unofficial divrei Torah that Rabbi Nezal spoke. However, Rabbi Nezal adds, what's written down is maybe one one thousandth or one ten thousandth of what we heard. And he writes, Ashrei ho'es, Ashrei ha'shor, Ashrei ho'rega, she'zochinu l'amoid l'fanov l'shmoya hevel p'nagodesh. Fortunate is, is the time Fortunate is the hour, fortunate is the moment that we are privileged to stand in the presence of Rabbi Nezal and to hear the holy words that came from his mouth. If only we, this opportunity would present itself again now, we would roll thousands of miles in the dirt in order to be zeichet, to come to him, to be able to hear the holy words coming from his mouth, which were above all ordinary levels of holiness. Now, Rav Nassar tells a, a, an unusual incident that happened with Rav Nassar. Once, when Rav Nassar was traveling to the city of Medvedevka, and this was, part of the trip was on Erev Shabbos, on Friday, and Rav Nassar was supposed to be spending Shabbos in Medvedevka, that was a time that he was going to be welcomed by students of his that were there, and he was going to be speaking Torah at Shalashuris, and he ended up spending Shabbos in a village outside of Medvedevka, a village called Halav, Halav Kiyuka, because the horses became were, were exhausted, and they refused to go any further. They couldn't go any further, and it got late to the point where it was close to the time of lighting candles, and they were only in this village. Afterwards, when Rabbi Nezal turned home, he told over the whole story in great detail, at great length. And he said that at the time that the horses were moving along and it was starting to get dark, and Rabbi Nezal wanted so desperately that they should run, but they, they refused, they couldn't. Rabbi Nezal said it felt to him like sometimes when a person's in a dream, and something's happening, something terrible is happening, and the person wants to run away, and somehow they can't run, they can't pick up their feet. Sometimes this happens to a person in a dream, and Rabbi Nezal said that's what he was experiencing over there. He felt like I, he was in some kind of a twilight zone, and he said he had tremendous, tremendous pain and suffering from the fact that he was terrified 
that it shouldn't come to desecrating the Shabbos. And he said that while they were moving along, he felt like a person being led to Gehenna, chas v'shalom, where when a person is being led to Gehenna, the person is terrified, terrorized at the time to an unbelievable letter, an unbelievable level. That's exactly how he felt. That's how terrified he felt of the possibility of chas v'shalom desecrating the Shabbos. And Rav Zal writes that from the way Rav Zal was expressing this, I, I understood the incredible fear and terror that a person feels chas v'shalom when they're being led to Gehenna. And Rav Zal says, there's no way I can describe this, I can put this into writing, because Rav Zal repeated this several times, and he expounded on the awesome fear that he felt at the time, and, and the fear that a person experiences chas v'shalom when the person is being led to Gehenna. And he says, that's, and that's exactly the fear I felt at the time, terrified that I should chas v'shalom come to, to desecrating the Shabbos. And this took place during the winter time before Shabbos Shira. Rav Nosan Zal writes, there was a whole story about this, because the fact that he was delayed wasn't stunned. He was traveling to spend Shabbos Shira with his students, and there were many people that had gathered from several cities and came to Medvedevka at the time who wanted to, to hear this special Torah on Shabbos and Rabbeinazal wanted to make whatever tikkunim he needed to make through the holy Torah that he would say and through all of his involvement with his students. And Rabbeinazal said that whenever there are any of these special times of getting together, when he gets together with his students to speak words of Torah, these official times, he said he feels, he experiences the same type of fear that the most religious Jews feel on Erev Yom Kippur, right before going to shul on the eve of Yom Kippur. That's what he, and he said, that's exactly what he felt that Shabbos, or Yom Tif, when he when he's saying Torah officially. After that whole incident <laughs> that he was supposed to come to Medvedevka for Shabbos and he didn't arrive, got delayed, and there were people from the city of Medvedevka who had come out to greet him. They had come to this village at the time thinking they would greet him and accompany him back into the city. But what, hap- what ended up happening was that they all had to spend Shabbos in this village and they had just about nothing to eat or drink. They ended up eating bread challah made from oats. And they made kiddush on the challah. They didn't have a cup of wine or a cup of grape juice. Or even yayin saraf, even whiskey. And, and they didn't have a knife. They didn't have any kosher utensils to, lose, to use. And Rabbi Nassau told over this whole story in detail of what they experienced. After Shabbos, they went ahead, they traveled to Medvedevka, and that Monday was Tu Bishvat, the holiday of Tu Bishvat. And they made a beautiful Suda, and Rabbi Nezal sat with his students, and he told them the, the, the Divrei Torah that he had planned on telling over on Shabbos. 
Rav Nelson Zal says, fortunate is the person who gets to hear even one incident of what went on in Rabbeinu Zal's life, because everything that he went through, regarding everything that Rabbeinu Zal went through, <clears throat> there were deep, awesome secrets as to why things had to play out exactly this way. Now Rav Nelson Zal closes this section by saying that after Rabbi Nezal returned to Breslov from that trip to Lemberg that he had made, where we said he had spent he had spent time there, he no longer traveled those Shabbosim that he used to, Shabbos Nachmu, Shabbos Shira. He was sick, he was sick with tuberculosis and was much weaker than he had been previously. And once on a Shabbos Shira, Rabbi Nezal started speaking about this, how it used to be in the old days, in a sense, how he would travel to these different cities and he would tell over incredible words of Torah. And Rabbi Nezal was telling this over like with, with a deep longing and yearning, like he wished he could continue this. And he said that when he would, get, when he would sit down on the wagon to prepare for the trip, that was a special avoida. There was something very special happening by the fact that he left his house and sat on the wagon. And when he would arrive at the city, whether it was Chirin, Trovitz, the, the different cities we mentioned before, and the people would come out to greet him and they would show tremendous respect, that was a different major event. And then when he would go all the way into the city to, to, to where he was staying, let's say, that was a different Indian. Each thing was an avoider where there were important things taking place every step of the way. And when he would say Torah, that was a whole other thing. And then afterwards, when people would give him monies to support him, that was a completely different thing. And Rabbi Nezal went through the whole seder, the whole order of events, how it would be. How each time there was something different taking place that there were major, major accomplishments every step of the way. Rav Nassar says we understood from his words that regarding these travels, these trips, that this was a special, awesome avoider of Rav Nassar whenever he traveled. And, and the trip itself and the respect that was shown to him when he arrived in these places, each item was something major. It's interesting to note, Rav Nelson Zal writes in Likuti Alochis in one place that we know usually we refer to the written Torah as five books, five chumashim. Bereshis, Shmois, Vayikra, Bamidbar, and Dvorim. However, there's a posuk that tells us that there are really, there are really seven, there are seven pillars of the Torah. Chatzva, Amudeho, Shiva. Hashem carved out the pillars of the Torah, seven pillars. Bereshis is one, Shmois is two, Vayikra is three, Bamidbar is divided into three books. Bamidbar is three books. There's the first part, there's the middle part, and then there's the end. The middle part consists of two sentences, two psukim, which speak about the travels of the Jewish people. In Parshas Bahaloischa, where it says, where you have those upside-down nuns, 
in the Sefer Torah, an upside-down nun in the beginning of these two sentences and an upside-down nun at the end. And there are 80-some-odd letters in those two psukim, and, and the, the, the Torah tells us that this is considered a separate chumish, just these two lines. And then you have the part that comes afterwards. So Bamidbar is like three chumashim, four, five, and six, and then Dvarim is number seven. Rav Nassim says, and he goes into a discussion there of maybe four or five pages expounding on the significance when Jews travel. That any time the Jews are traveling, there's major, major tikkunim taking place. Especially, especially if we're dealing with tzaddikim. Because we see that the Ten Commandments is not a separate chumash. The Shira Sayam is not. It's only these two sentences which speak about the travels, when they would travel, and they would come, when they would come to a rest stop. Those two sentences are considered an independent chumash because there's such incredible significance and importance to the travels of a Jew. Interesting, last night was Moitzoi Shabbos, and I, I used a sitter that I don't usually use, and after the Shmonesra of Motsoi Shabbos, there are many prayers that are found afterwards. There are different tzaddikim that said we should say certain prayers on Saturday night after Shmonesrei or even after we finish Marev. And one of the authorities there wrote that in the name of the Arizal we know that a person should not say all of those other prayers. The only prayer that they should say is the beginning of Parshas Vayishlach, where it speaks about Yaakov Avinu traveling and how he sends messengers to his brother Esav with gifts, all kinds of gifts. So that, the beginning of Parshas Vayishlach, the first 30 or 40 psukim of Vayishlach, appear in many sidurim right after the Saturday night davening, because again, on Shabbos we don't travel. After Shabbos is over, those people, so the, and the Arizal said, those people who are planning on making a trip during the following week should say Vayishlach, should say that portion. None of the other tefillahs, according to the other Arizal, the other tefillahs should not be said. Again, the, the, and we mentioned that there are two chapters on the Imran based on this pasuk, Ele Masei Bnei Yisrael. These are the travels of the Jewish people. How the, the, the Midrash says that this is the tikkun for Ele Elokecha Yisrael, for when the Jews joined with the Erev Rav in worshipping the golden calf. And they said, these, these are your new Hashem, Chas v'shalom. This Ela is the tikkun for that Ela. And Rabbeinu Zalvir expounds, so, and, and this, this applies to us today also. Rabbeinu Zal made a comment that sometimes a person sees a trip in front of them, and they're not sure whether they should go on the trip or not. Sometimes they have important reasons to go, but there's reasons not to go. So Rabbeinu Zal said, when a person feels compelled to make a trip, they shouldn't fight it. Because who knows what tikkunim the person has to accomplish on the way or when they arrive there. Just Rabbi Nezal said the person should be careful not to commit any sins, to be especially careful when a person is in transit. They're more vulnerable than when they're in their own house, a king in, in his own palace, in a sense. Now we go on to an, another section in this Sefer, which is called Nesiyosoy Leretz Yisroel, 
Rabbeinazal's trip to Eretz Yisrael, which he made before he moved to the city of Breslov. This was in his 20s, when Rabbeinazal was in his 20s, when he was living in Medvedevka, and at one point he made the decision to go to Eretz Yisrael. This is written up to a large degree in Rabbi Nachman's wisdom in Sichai Saran, but here in Chaim Aran we have some details that are not necessarily mentioned there. At the time Rabbi Nezal made this trip, there were war, there was wars going on between the Turks and others, and it was very dangerous at the time to travel to the Middle East, to travel from Ukraine to Eretz Yisrael. And yet Rabbi Nezal understood, he decided that that was the time for him to go, despite the dangers, and Baruch Hashem, he succeeded in getting to Eretz Yisrael and getting back home safe and sound. However, before the trip, Rabbi Nezal traveled to the city of Kamenitz, which is a famous city in Eastern Europe at the time. And he said to his student, Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon Zal, who was Rabbi Nezal's first student, he's the one who at Rabbi Nezal's bar mitzvah, at his at Rabbi Nezal's wedding bar mitzvah, he told him, I see that you're going to be a great person, I want to be your first student. Rabbi Nezal said to him, I see a trip before me, but I don't know where, I don't know where I need to go. So Reb Shimon Zal smiled how does a person, how do you go on a trip not knowing where you're going? And Rabbi Nezal said to him, I'm, say, I'm telling you the truth. I don't know where I'm headed. I know that I have to travel now. So Rabbi Shimon went and he, he hired, a, a, he prepared a wagon and horses and all everything that they would need for a trip. And he traveled with Rabbi Nezal. While on this trip, he, he asked Rabbi Nezal if they could go via the village of Volochovitz. Rabbi Nezal agreed, and there they took on another passenger, a person who accompanied them on this trip, until they came to the city of Mezhebush, which is the city where Rabbi Nezal had been born, the city where the Baal Shem Tev lived, and still Rabbi Nezal did not know where he was headed, where his destination was. When he arrived in Mezhebush at the house of his parents, they were overjoyed to see him, and his mother said to him, My son, when are you going to go to your grandfather the Baal Shem Tov, to, to visit his kever? Rabbi Nezal said, If my grandfather wants to see me, he'll come here, he'll come to the house. Afterwards, that night, Rabbi Nezal slept over in his parents' house, and in the morning his mother got up, and she came to Rabbi Nezal, said, to Rabbi Nezal and she said, Okay, your grandfather was already by you. He already visited you here. When are you going to visit him? Implying that she knew that the Baal Shem Tov had come to Rabbi Nezal during the night. Rabbi Nezal said, Right now I can't go. On the way back, if Hashem wants, I'll visit the Kever of the Baal Shem Tov, and sure enough, that's what happened. Every detail, every move Rabbi Nezal made, there was significance, there was importance. Now, shortly before they arrived in Mezhebush, Reb Shimon became sick. And they arrived, when they arrived in Mezhebush, Reb Shimon was feeling very, very ill, 
And Rabbein had to leave him in Mezhebush. He could not take him with him for the rest of the trip. He did not go with Rabbein to Kamenetz. <clears throat> and when Rabbein was leaving Mezhebush, and he was leaving Reb Shimonzal to continue on the trip, Reb Shimon didn't want to let him leave until Rabbein promised him that when Rabbein returns, he'll find Reb Shimon alive. And sure enough, that was the case. In addition, before Rabbein left his home in Medvedevka, he said to Reb Shimon, are you able to come on a trip with me? And he said, this trip is going to take a week or two or a month or a quarter of a year or a half a year or a whole year. I don't know. So Reb Shimon was quiet. But when he saw that Rabbein was serious, that he was getting ready for a trip, Reb Shimon said to him, I'll put everything aside, I'm coming with you, no matter how long it takes. And sure enough, he, he joined Rabbein for the trip. In Mezhebuz, when Rabbein was leaving, and Reb Shimonzal was very sick, Reb Shimonzal said to Rabbein when am I going to see you again? Because you said you don't know how long you're going to be on the trip. You said you have no idea. So Rabbein said to him, I'm not going to be away that long, maybe eight days or ten days, not more than that. So Reb Shimon Zal said, but when, when you were at home, you said you don't know how long it's going to take. Reb Shimon said, that's true. When I was at home, I didn't know, but now I know. Now I know that I need to travel to the city of Kamenitz, but I'm not going to be there long, <clears throat> because that night, the Baal Shem Tov had come to him, and the Baal Shem Tov revealed to him where he has to go, that he has to go to the city of Kamenetz. And sure enough, Rabbein traveled there, and Rabbein says once again, what Rabbein did in Kamenetz, we have no idea, we don't know, and it will not be known until Moshiach comes. It is known, it's not mentioned here, but I believe it's mentioned in Sikh Saran, that at that time, no Jew was allowed to spend the night in Kamenitz, in the city of Kamenitz. And Rabbein went there, and he did spend the night there, and from that point on, that decree was eliminated. That's one of the things, one of the changes that took place when Rabbein visited that city. <clears throat> when he returned from Kamenitz, Rabbein said Torah, the following Shabbos, on a Pasuk in Tehillim, Dovko nafshi acharecha. My soul feels a deep, deep longing for you, Hashem. And Rabbein revealed a very deep Torah on that Pasuk. And Rabbein said, he, he prided himself and he said, Imagine, <coughs> if in, on return from Kamenetz, I'm revealing such an incredible Torah, when I come back from Eretz Yisrael, you could imagine what kind of incredible Torah Mitzvah Shem I'm going to reveal. And we find in actuality that after Rabbein returned from his trip to Eretz Yisrael, he said he's ashamed and embarrassed of the Torah that he said before, before Eretz Yisrael. And he didn't really allow most of the Torah that he had revealed before Eretz Yisrael was not published. It was only some selected Torahs from what he had said before that, that were included in Rabbein in the Likutei Moran. Rabbein adds, paragraph Kuf Lamed Aleph, 
that when Rabbi Nizal arrived from Kamenitz, when he returned home, his, a daughter passed away, one of his daughters passed away. And Rabbi Nizal said that like the Koheno Vukhaheno Chasvishon Yomosetsli, that it seems that this type of thing will be repeated by me, Chasvishon, of children passing away for one move in term of one change that takes place in me, the change that took place from before I was in Kamenetz to after I was in Kamenetz. And he added the words, Hashem Yatsileinu, may Hashem save us and protect us, chas from tragedies. Any questions, please? Reb Please. Why is it that terrible tragedy would follow? Oh, I, we know the story, you told the story of Arizona, this, this student kept asking him, is it's a similar thing, a tragedy occurred? Why is it that such a thing is happening? The answer is that this is one of the things that we don't really understand. On one hand, Hashem wants the tzaddik to climb, to go higher and higher, and to, to be makar of the world and everything. And in it seems that while we're in this world, because of the eight sadas, because of all of our sins, part of what goes with the package is that tzaddikim have to endure all types of suffering all types of difficult suffering. We know the Gemara makes a statement that there are three things that are achieved with suffering. Eretz Yisrael, Torah, and Chaye Olam Haba. And a person would say again, why? What do you mean? Hashem wants us to get to Eretz Yisrael. Hashem wants us to learn Torah and to fulfill the Torah. He want- It seems that because, especially because of the Pegama, the Eitz Hadas, and because of many, many other sins, that we've accrued throughout the thousands of years from the beginning of creation, it requires that we endure. We go through different challenges and tests and suffering in the process of trying to come close to Hashem. And, and sometimes the greater the tzaddik, the more that's put on him, that these tzaddikim have to endure tremendous challenges, tremendous struggles and suffering. Thank you. Uh, on what Reb Nachman said on uh, Uman, uh, and especially in light of these current events, because we're getting closer to Rosh Hashanah, where it's about three months out, I think, from what I understand, it's still not safe to go to Uman for Rosh Hashanah. Would you advise someone, especially someone in Israel, we could start making plans to go to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, which I think I've heard you say was a more profitable thing to do for those in Israel? Or what would you suggest? The, the answer is that I, I've seen and heard in recent, the past month or two, that people are traveling to Uman regularly and going there for a Shabbos, going there during the weekdays. And for Shavuos, this past Shavuos, there were 700 people that went to Uman. They didn't go through the the previous paths. They didn't go from Kiev airport or Odessa airport. They came via the surrounding countries, Romania, Poland, Hungary, Moldova. <coughs> but they, they, and they landed in those countries 
and traveled by train or bus or car from those countries into to the city of Uman. So far, so far, the past two, three months, it's been safe. No one has been hurt or harmed on the way there or while they were in Uman or on the way back. If things continue to be this manner, I would definitely try to make every effort to go for Rosh Hashanah because Rosh Hashanah, Rabbein Hazal puts such incredible emphasis on it. And we're praying every single day, literally praying every day, tomorrow night, Monday night in Yerushalayim. There's a major gathering being planned in the main shul, the main breast of shul in Meisharim, to, to oh, an atzerist feel at school. They're gathering where they're going to say special slichos, say all kinds of special prayers. There'll be a few rabbis speaking about preparing for Rosh Hashanah. So we're, we're trying very hard to, to pray that, if at all possible, those that want to go to Uman should be able to go there safely and return safe 100%. And those that can't, for whatever reasons, one of the best alternatives is definitely Miron, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai Otherwise, there are people that gather in Yerushalayim and in the, the other places where there is a Breslov gathering. We'll hold it over here. <coughs> this week, we have Erev Rosh Chodesh. Tuesday is Erev Rosh Chodesh, and we have two days of Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, Wednesday and Thursday. I hope to be zeichet to go to Miron on Tuesday for Erev Rosh Chodesh, Yom Kippur Koton. And in addition, I was invited to, to one of the Breslov shuls in Tzfas to be there for a Sudas Rosh Chodesh. So I hope to have the privilege of being in these two places. We'll definitely include all of our friends and all of our tefillahs. Shem should help us with the merit of these great tzaddikim to be zeichet to all the Yeshuas that we need. Amen.